You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Weekly Web Foot Review. We're excited about the Vegas Bowl, baby. The podcast that keeps you fresh with the latest happenings in the world of Oregon Ducks athletics. Oregon remains an extremely powerful national brand. Freddie and Luke and all the guys going back. Aaron, they've all had a big, big part of this. Now, here's your host. Our guys have done well in our approach, which is win the day. Jordan Schultz. Yeah, that's right. Well, it may be the offseason for football and basketball, but there is a ton of news happening in the universe that is the Oregon Ducks. Welcome in to episode six of the weekly Webfoot review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. Jordan Schultz is sitting in with you as always. You can find me on Twitter, my handle on the air Jordan with an O. That's on the air Jordan, on the air Jordan, J O R D O N. Give me a shout out. Throw out ideas for topics for the podcast or ask any burning ducks questions you want answers to. Be happy to engage in dialogue with you. That's why I'm here. I want to have some fun talking Oregon Ducks with all the other great Ducks fans out there. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Give the show a five-star rating if you like it. So Lots of big Ducks news this week to get to. We'll start with the uncertainty surrounding the men's basketball team. I am super upset this week about their roster situation, and I'll tell you why. Like, I've got a pretty big, long rant, and I am not happy with the Oregon roster situation and why it is where it's at. This isn't really surprising, but there's another bit of good news for the Lady Ducks. So at least there's some good news for the basketball team. And the football team continues their efforts on the recruiting trail as us fans, of course, eagerly still awaiting the start of the 2019 season. For you degenerates out there, odds for four of their games have been released. We'll take a look at those. Maybe tell you exactly where to put some money down. There was some big news surrounding the baseball team this week. I promised I'd talk about any duck sport that had something interesting going on outside of football and basketball. If it did happen and trust me fans, this situation qualifies for that. And to wrap up the show, uh, we talk about the passing of a former duck. This really isn't a fun story either. It's a tragic one that no one ever wants to hear about that involves a bright young man gone from this world too soon. So definitely a lot to get to this week. Let's tip it off with the ever-changing situation that is men's basketball. Let's start first with some good news this week. All right, Duck fans, the news that you've been waiting for, point guard Peyton Pritchard has officially announced his return to Oregon for his senior season. We've been waiting for over a month now, but thankfully the West Lynn native took time this week to officially state that he will be coming back to play at Oregon for his senior season. 
It's going to be a big part of their success next year. And obviously Dana Altman badly needed Peyton to come back and smooth things out a bit from this year to next year. The roster going to have a ton of turnover that we've been talking about so far into next season on the weekly web foot review, but it is a little comforting knowing that their top score will be back for sure. A couple of numbers for you. He averaged 12.9 points, 4.6 rebounds overall last season, but it was huge. He really went off in the NCAA tourney and the Pac-12 tourney over Oregon's final 11 games when it counted, averaged 15.8 points, four boards, 5.3 assists, and 2.3 steals. That, that was 10 consecutive wins, by the way, until their loss to Virginia in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. And that was such a great run that the Ducks went on, really encouraging, uh, I guess, a little bit with this crazy situation that is the Ducks roster right now. So we can officially say that Oregon will have just three returning players from last season. Peyton Pritchard, Francis Okoro, and Will Richardson. I thought that Will Johnson was on scholarship, but I guess I was totally wrong, and I really haven't been able to find one single bit of news, not a tweet or anything, about either Will Johnson or Luke Osborne. So I just have to assume they're totally gone. No one's talking about them right now. Maybe have to try out again? I, I don't know. I'll be the first to admit that I'm not entirely sure how it works when you warm the bench on a college football team or a college basketball team, other than maybe being more of a practice squad player and in college basketball specifically, maybe just a guy that's there on the bench ready to give his five fouls if he needs during the game and really playing more of a scout team for the basketball team as well. But this means that the team will look drastically different next season. Dana Altman and the coaching staff still out there looking at possible transfer options, though. The Ducks did, unfortunately, just lose out on a big one that we all were talking about, one that they were chasing uh, pretty recently here in the past couple of weeks. That's right. Oregon loses out on Khalid Thomas. Khalid ended up choosing Arizona State this week as his destination for 2019. Um, I checked out his Twitter on the day that he was supposed to announce and was seeing that he actually retweeted a couple of different announcements from Arizona State University talking about, hey, yeah, Khalid's announcement coming today. Pay attention. So you could kind of already tell where he was leading. I mean, those tweets for me, gave it away before officially announcing he's decision for me, gave it away before he officially announced his decision. <clears throat> yeah. Seemed pretty obvious that he was leaning towards the sun devils. So uh, to be blunt, this is terrible news for the Oregon ducks. Thomas even admitted that Oregon's roster uncertainty played a small part in his decision. This is a quote from Oregon Live. Check this out. Thinking about Oregon's situation, how many guys they need, they need a few guys, he said. His quote continues, it wasn't like I didn't want to be a part of that, but Arizona State has a little bit more solid roster right now. I know the situation and the opportunity that they have for me next season. Yikes. 
So you're telling me that the stupid decisions, and I'm going to call them stupid decisions by Kenny Wooten and Lewis King to declare for the NBA draft have actually hurt the Ducks going forward in another way than just losing them? Great. <laughs> College kids getting antsy and wanting a change of scene shouldn't control the direction of an entire program, but it is. I've been pretty sure that I've been kind of easy on these guys the entire offseason saying, oh, it's their right to control their destiny. But you know what? Today, for this episode of the Weekly Web Foot Review, the gloves are coming off. Why did Lewis King declare so early despite only being projected as an early second-round pick? He only spent one year at Oregon and, in my opinion, gave up a shot at improving his draft stock as a sophomore, maybe even a junior. And anyone that says that that wouldn't happen if a kid like that comes back, they are smoking way too much of some good Oregon weed. They're just wrong, period. College development for a guy that might go in the second round is huge. And in a program like Oregon under a guy like Dana Altman, are you kidding me? You want to give that up? His talent and his size, such a legit combo. I mean, that could have made him look really good next year. He could have looked amazing for the Ducks. Now, he'll be riding the bench. Don't even get me started on Kenny Wooten either. He left Oregon to most likely go start his G League career. And why Victor Bailey and Miles Norris decided to transfer away from a program that made such a surprise run to the Sweet 16 is beyond me. Even if they didn't consistently like the minutes that they were getting, they knew that they were going to get more this year. <sighs> you know, it just seems like this is a group of guys that were facing a little adversity and maybe not necessarily happy with the situation that they were in, and not one of them tried to fight through it. As far as Lewis King chasing the money, I, I can kind of take him out of that equation a little bit. I get you're trying to get to the NBA. You're trying to get that paycheck that I understand. I, I would be too. But that goes back to my point that I was just making. You can continue to develop at Oregon and then get a bigger rookie contract. Set yourself up for an even bigger payday. It just seems like that most of these guys took the path of least resistance or just flat out made a bad decision. And it's frustrating to me. And there's a lot of turnover that's going to be happening. Basically, the Ducks have six scholarship players right now. Looking at their new guys for 2019, along with Orcoro and Richardson and Peyton Pritchard, they've got CJ Walker, five-star recruit, Chandler Lawson, and Chris Duarte, the Juco transfer coming in. And they're also hoping that Duquesne transfer Eric Williams Jr. could be granted eligibility for the upcoming season instead of waiting a year. So that, like I said, is six guys, possibly seven. That leaves you with five open spots on your roster to fill with at least one or two more of those guys getting legitimate rotation minutes. So, while we have one question answered with the return of stud scorer Peyton Pritchard, uh, the situation surrounding the Ducks men still feels like an episode of Lost. 
50 new questions every week with no damn answers. I mean, what's done is done, though. And Dana Altman does have the ability to go out and find some great guys and hopefully get them to buy in to what he's selling more so than a guy like Lewis King or Victor Bailey or Kenny Wooten did. <sighs> so frustrating. All right. I, I got to talk about something good. Switching gears to the Lady Ducks. There was another bit of good news this week, if that's possible. Just keeps getting better for those Lady Ducks. USC Trojans graduate transfer Minion Moore announcing her commitment to the Ducks during her campus visit. She's going to join Oregon for 2019 with Sabrina Unescu and try to repeat their run to the Final Four, of course. Last season, check this out, Moore was an absolute beast. She averaged almost 15 points, 5.9 assists, and 5.5 rebounds per game while earning Pac-12 All-Defensive honors. Getting a player like that in her conference to transfer for an extra year of eligibility after she saw what Sabrina Unescu and the Ducks did, oh, that is just huge. That is going to be a potent attack that the Lady Ducks are going to have in college basketball next year. I'm not sure that anyone's going to be better than them at this point. So a little bit of a scouting report about Minion Moore. She's known to play really aggressive, attacking style of play. Sounds like she's going to fit right in as the Lady Ducks try and complete their unfinished business. So don't blink, Ducks fans. The Lady Ducks are must-watch TV for the foreseeable future. They got elite players coming in for 2020. And beyond, Kelly Graves has that program set up for success. That program is vastly different than even five years ago. I don't even remember a college men's or women's team making such a quick turnaround as a whole. And I'm so excited not only to watch 2020, but obviously, like I just said, their run that they're going to make and try to repeat themselves going to the Final Four and beyond win the national championship. They have the talent and now getting a player like more on top of that, that they didn't necessarily expect. Oh, that is going to be just like a pick your poison kind of situation for a defensive effort. Trying to play the lady ducks. Good luck to the PAC 12 and good luck to college basketball next year. I don't think Oregon's going to be beatable. So the football team is still three months away from kicking off their season against Auburn, but Betting odds, that's right, I'm a degenerate and I love this. Betting odds have been released for four of their games. I'll tell you which one that you should feel comfortable about putting some money on your duckies. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for episode six of the weekly Webfoot Review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. This is the weekly Webfoot Review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. Jordan Schultz is sitting in with you here for episode six. I'm on Twitter, on the air, Jordan. Jordan, spelled with an O. You got any ideas for topics for the podcast? I'd love to hear from you. Make sure you give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show or on Spotify as well. So, and I, I got to mention, before we get to Ducks football, I, I guess I'm so frustrated about this basketball situation for Oregon because their uncertainty has thrown the entire program, at least the perception of it into a little bit of the doghouse. They're not going to be in the top 25 anymore. After all these decisions with Kenny Wooten leaving and Lewis King leaving, 
and then the transfers happening. Not many people expected the Ducks to have only three returning players. I mean, I, I saw a couple of different rankings earlier in the this early, early preseason that they were inside the top five. I think that was NCAA.com. CBS Sports had them in the top 15. Now, they're not even in the top 25. Just dropped out. So, just frustrating to see what's going on and the ever-changing situation with the Ducks men's basketball team. But, I guess better news on the football side of things. So, let's talk about Ducks football. It's time. It's not quite time to watch them play yet, but time to talk about their upcoming season. Of course, they have had a stellar offseason, seeing some great things during the spring. Performances from new guys like Juwan Johnson looking pretty good, hooking up with Justin Herbert a couple of times. Kayvon Thibodeau coming in, foaming at the mouth on the defensive end, even in the spring game. And the growth of other guys like Tyler Shuck gives you hope for the future. There's just so many storylines. The offensive line coming back, Mario Cristobal and the turnaround of the program, Justin Herbert rejoining the Ducks for his senior season and another Heisman Trophy candidate year coming up for him. And they have another young transfer when DB Chris Steele decided to leave Florida and come to Oregon in the past couple of weeks. I mean, we can only talk about this stuff so much, though, until we really just want to look ahead and see some actual gameplay. So let's take a look ahead. The Golden Nugget, a casino in Las Vegas, released early lines for its 100 college football games of the year. Four of those games, actually some of those uh, extra games that they released after, uh, four of those games include the Ducks. Their season opener against Auburn on August 31st in the AdvoCare Classic in Dallas on the road against Stanford on September 21st, on the road against USC, and on the road against Washington. <laughs> so all the hard ones. It looks like a lot of people are trying to get some early predictions in. I think this is where the money moves the most in the world of sports betting. So it, nobody really cares about the Ducks winning at home. They think that's a given. People aren't really going to be putting as much money down on that as they will be these key games, these four games. And this is weird to me. Despite the Ducks being picked as an early favorite to win the Pac-12, they are underdogs in all four of these games right now. So Auburn, to open the season, favored by three points when they face off against each other in Dallas. And I understand that it's because that Auburn's they're going to travel. Well, their fan base coming from Alabama, obviously a lot closer to Dallas, Texas than Oregon's fan base is. And I, I guess it's a little bit easier to take a trip at the end of August. If you're, uh, if you've got a family and the kids necessarily maybe aren't in school yet. So it's it's a situation that could create an opening for more Duck fans to go, but obviously Auburn is going to have most of those seats filled with the orange, and it's going to be tough, more like a road game for the Ducks as opposed to a neutral site game. So I understand why they are three-point underdogs for their opener against Auburn. I get that. Against Stanford, the Ducks currently a two-and-a-half-point underdog, so basically a three-point underdog on the road. Uh, the Oregon-USC game in November has USC favored by a point, so basically ends up being a pick for that matchup. 
That will be an interesting game and one that I am waiting to see with bated breath. Oregon uh, misfacing the Trojans last year, so this is a key matchup for Justin Herbert. Hasn't really had a chance to play them lately, and this is a chance for him to show what he's learned and to take the Ducks to the next level. And the game against Washington, that on the road, check this out, Oregon is a 6 point underdog right now against Washington. So the game that I think would be best money wise for me, it's an easy call is the Washington game. A six point underdog. You're kidding me. The ducks are so talented and they have so many people coming back from last year. I've got a feeling that there's going to be some early money on that line and it's going to move it down a couple of points like the ducks are going to only become about five or four point underdogs which is going to be a lot tougher which is what all the sports betting gurus want out there and the people that are actually making the money on these bets i would run to go put money on that if you can a six point underdog for oregon against the washington huskies i know it's on the road but that's a huge chance i think for you to get some good early money in i would definitely bet the house that I don't own that Oregon would cover a six point spread. Don't listen to me on that one. Maybe just throw like a hundred bucks down on that one. That's probably a better number. A hundred will definitely be a good bet for Oregon, a six point underdog against the Huskies. They're more talented than that, even on the road. And I guess they've got a decent chance to win against Stanford. And you're going to be like, Jordan, you're crazy listening. Like I know. I've watched Oregon play on the road at Stanford Stadium, okay? It's not a very threatening environment for an imposing team all the time. And I really believe after last year, seeing Mario Cristobal in some key moments that after growing a bit and getting his feet wet, he can outcoach David Shaw in that game. It'll be up to the Ducks really themselves, though, the players to turn this around. They're going to be fired up, that's for sure. Oregon had their foot on Stanford's throat last season. If you forgot at Autzen before giving up a, just a heartbreaking loss in overtime. And of course, uh, before that, when these two teams last met in Palo Alto, Stanford threw them a beat down 49 to seven. And if they didn't need enough motivation, this is Oregon's first pack 12 game this season. So I think they'll be ready. And that's why I, I think that it's another safe bet to say that Oregon covers a three-point spread. Basically, I think Oregon will beat Stanford this year and get that measure of revenge that they're looking for. Plus, if Oregon can't get it done against their toughest Pac-12 North opponent, it's pretty much going to spell disaster for their season as far as trying to get to the college football playoff or win the conference. It, at that point, it looks more like another nine and four season, which I don't think is a win for the Ducks. I think with so much talent coming back, I think they're better than that. And I think that they've got a window this year to compete and vault themselves up to the college football playoff. But I don't think that Mario Cristobal and the coaching staff will let that happen. Hopefully they learned their lesson after coming out, not ready to play a full 60 minutes last year at times. And hopefully with a new voice in Andy Avalos on the defensive end, it, it might make a difference. 
All right, we're going to transition away from some fun betting talk. And when we come back, uh, I, I need to take a minute to talk about some terrible news regarding uh, the Ducks opening opponent, uh, the Auburn Tigers. So we'll continue and also finish up the show with this week in Ducks history. We'll do that when we come back. Stay with us on the weekly web foot review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. This is the weekly web foot review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. Jordan Schultz is sitting in with you. It's been a good show so far, but a couple of really sad things happened this week and wanted to take a couple of minutes to acknowledge them. Um, the Auburn Tigers, legendary Auburn radio announcer Rob Bramblett and his wife were killed in a car accident last week. Um, according to reports, Bramblett and his wife were rear-ended by a teenage driver in the Auburn area. And they both died from their injuries after being lifted uh, by helicopter to different hospitals. Uh, Bramblett served as the lead announcer for Auburn football, men's basketball, and baseball. Um, th this kind of stuff transcends sports. And I, I thought it was important to take just a second and acknowledge the loss of such a great announcer. I've heard his calls make national uh, highlight reels on ESPN and whatnot. It, I just have to take a minute to acknowledge the man that would have been calling the opener against the ducks on the other side, sending my prayers this week to their family. And, you know, for this week in ducks history, we basically transition from one sad story to another. This week in ducks history is a segment about past ducks, their accomplishments, or it's time every week that we take to remember a key event or like I say, person from the ducks of the past. This is just a horrible topic. And I, I put it in this week in ducks history because it was a former player and I really felt the need uh, to say something and talk about the impact that he had on the Oregon ducks. A former ducks defensive lineman passed away and he passed away very young and in a very tragic way. Tui Talia was killed in a car accident early in the morning, Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, and he was 25. He was a passenger in a 2012 Chevrolet being driven by his cousin. This is all according to police reports and California Highway Patrol. Um, it was being driven by his cousin, uh, westbound Highway 12, about 4 a.m., that was Sunday when the car traveled off the shoulder and struck a lamppost. Alcohol was a factor. The cousin, the driver, she reportedly had a blood alcohol content of either 0.11 or 0.12, which obviously over the legal limit and legally drunk. The California Highway Patrol concluded in its initial report that Talia and a second backseat passenger were both ejected from the Chevrolet upon impact with the post. Neither passenger in the back seat was wearing a seatbelt, according to CHP. And the driver, Talia's cousin, mind you, facing gross vehicular manslaughter while intoxicated, among other charges. This is just so sad. Talia, he came into Oregon. He was a three-star defensive end recruit that was the seventh-ranked JUCO recruit from California, fifth-ranked strong side defensive end that year, and the 24th-ranked overall JUCO player for 2014. He played for Oregon uh, for two seasons, made 
52 career tackles in 28 career games, 34 tackles with six for one loss and two sacks in his senior year. What a senior year for him. He also played for the Ducks when they faced Ohio State in the national championship, by the way. So this is just a terrible situation. And and I know that Ducks fans and people that knew him are just so sad. And I just want to make sure that you take time to reflect on how this happened. And you just take this and you learn from it. Don't get into a car with a drunken person behind the wheel. And don't drink and drive. And always wear your seatbelt. Those can be fatal mistakes for people that you love or yourself. And it's just so sad to see such a young, great person taken down like this. I can't imagine the situation that his family is going through right now trying to cope with this tragedy. So rest in peace, Tui Talia. I know Ducks fans everywhere are praying for your family. So to switch gears, uh, to talk about one more thing before we are done with episode six of the weekly Webfoot review, uh, I know we don't usually cover baseball, but I have promised that I'll talk about any duck sports that have big news happening. Well, how's this for big news for you? Oregon baseball is now busy looking for a new head coach. Yep, the only manager the Ducks have had since the sport returned in 2009, George Horton, has stepped down. So instead of exercising a mutual option that both Oregon and George Horton had for 2019-2020, the Ducks and Horton agreeing to part ways, ending the 11-year coach's tenure with the Ducks. And I I guess you could kind of see it coming. They were back-to-back losing seasons also, Four consecutive years without reaching the NCAA tournament. I I mean, George Horton was an okay coach at Oregon. I, I guess the word that you can describe his tenure with was all right. A little bit better than mediocre. They went 373 and 278 and won one tie under Horton and went to five NCAA regionals and one super regional appearance from 2010 to 2015 after the program came back. But... That is not what happened in the next four years. Their top finish was eighth in the Pac-12, and they had a losing record in the conference every single year. Uh, fans don't really want to see that, and I don't blame you. A huge drop in attendance at PK Park happened because of that. Oh, check this out. They set a record low for a Pac-12 game this season when only 793 fans showed up to watch the Ducks play Arizona State. I I mean, that's pretty terrible. So I guess this is a good opportunity for Rob Mullins to find a new voice to drastically change the trajectory of that program. Oregon Athletics at this point are synonymous with success now on a year-to-year basis. So it's only fitting that now is the time where the athletic director can step up and try to get the baseball program running as smoothly and as well as all the other major sports. I've heard whispers, uh, saw a couple of different rumors that Pat Casey, who of course stepped down from OSU last year after the College World Series and an illustrious career with them, would be an interesting name to consider and might answer that call. But why the hell would he want to come to Eugene after such a great career in Corvallis? That one doesn't pass the smell test for me. So duck fans, if you see that out there, don't believe it. I don't think that's got any chance of happening at all. 
Uh, so Jay Ullman will lead the baseball program on a day-to-day basis until Horton's replacement is found. So I guess we'll see how long it takes for the Ducks to find someone there. And I promise I will talk about it when that hire is made here on the weekly Webfoot Review. All right, that's going to do it for episode six of the weekly Webfoot Review. It's been such a news-packed week, despite it being the off-season, and we are just about to get into summer. We are only three months away from college football season starting, and we've got a lot to learn to lead up to that. So hit me up on Twitter, on the air Jordan with an O, J-O-R-D-O-N. Find us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the show And, of course, let me know if you have any burning Ducks questions you want answered or any topics that you have ideas for that you want to hear about on the show. I'd love to talk about what you're wondering about because that's that's the main reason why I do this show. I've got opinions. I'm wondering about things, and I really want to get the news out to you in an unfiltered, just fun fan perspective that we all share together. So I'm getting so stoked for what's going to happen with the Ducks football team. And of course, we've got a lot of questions to answer for Ducks men's basketball as well. We're going to continue to follow that and I'll do my best to answer all those questions for you. So hope you enjoyed this program. This is episode six of the weekly Webfoot review. We'll be back next week with more, possibly our first guest. And we're going to start going around the Pac-12 here pretty soon and take a look and all of the Oregon Ducks opponents for their football season. Hope you enjoyed episode six, and I'll talk to you next week, Oregon fans. Go Ducks! The Weekly Webfoot Review, the podcast.